tonight on the Superhero Hour Hour. Will Watchmen stick the landing? Will Daybreak be watched by Mike and Ryan? And will Star Wars, a movie that is not based on comic books, but has had comic books come out based on it since the movie came out, be reviewed by Mike and Ryan? The answer to all of those questions and so many more on tonight's Superhero Hour Hour. And welcome to the Superhero Hour Hour, the only podcast on the internet that takes the time, the love, the devotion, the like that feeling in your gut that you wish that you could like turn into money making. We did it. We did it and we use it not to fight crime, not to make the country a better place, not to say, hey, villains everywhere, no more. We did it to review, talk about, and analyze every single TV show that is on television. Hold up. That sounds like way too much. That's so much. Based on a comic book or comic book property. No, that's still too much. Can we change that? My name is Ryan. Here with me is Mike. Mike, do you wish it? Do you wish that we changed the show where we did it for only shows that were not based on comic books or yeah, comic book properties? Like two shows right now. I don't know. Or just like we review all of Apple TV's original shows, shows nobody's ever heard of, let alone watch. Is that a budding podcast right now? Apple Plus. Here we go. Yeah. And people are just like, see? You guys want to talk about C? C. This is Jason Momoa lives in a world where everyone's blind, but he is not, or he also is? Wait, yeah. In the land of the blind, Jason Momoa is always king. Can you imagine being Jason Momoa and everyone is like, what is the point of you being Jason yeah, Momoa? Why did I do this work? Uh, did you ever think about uh, dating a blind girl and just telling her that you were super, super hot? Every day of my life. That's all I've ever thought about. More so than dating a deaf girl and saying that the things that you say are interesting? Mm -hmm. Well, because I would still have to sign. So I'm like, oh, verbally I'm saying super interesting things. My sign language is rusty, so I sound like a fucking moron. That's true. That that definitely is true. Uh, Is there anything leading you towards getting a new subscription, and that is Apple Plus? No. I've heard good things about Dickinson. Dickinson, okay. It's got my girl. Yeah, Haley Seinfeld. Seinfeld is awesome. Uh, Snoopy's going to space. Uh, they're redoing Ghost Rider. Now, that's not Ghost Rider based on the comic book. That's not Danny Ketch or Johnny Blaze. That's Ghost Writer. Writer. A show that came out for kids way after I was not a kid. Uh, I watched Ghost Writer because it was on PBS, which was my main bread and butter. Because you were poor. Because I was poor. Uh, but I have no desire. It really is. Everybody's turned into like nostalgia for everything will make money. That's not true. I don't think anybody's clamoring for Ghost Rider. Do you know who poor kids love now that uh, Ghost Rider's off, but they can't afford any of the subscriptions? Do you know who the superstar <laughs> of PBS is? Who that? Caillou. Do you know who that is? Oh, the little bald cancer kid. The little bald boy uh, who is not the little bald boy. He's not Charlie Brown, uh, and he's not that Aardvark. Who's that kid? Arthur. Ar- he's not Arthur. He's a little kid who I guess goes through uh, trials and tribulations because that's sort of how you have to have a show. I love trials and tribulations. I love bald kids. What if the famous thing about Caillou is that nothing good or bad ever happened to him? <laughs> he has the most neutral of lives. 
I don't know. Would that be so bad as like a weird, different thing that you watch? Okay. For kids, though, that's he ate special K again, and then he got to go outside before he had to do chores. Wait, was this rotten special K? Nope. Was this very spe- uh, like specifically good special K? Not at all. Oh, he ate that special K again. He just ate that special K. Go Caillou. Go Caillou. Go Caillou. Go go go. Um, I don't know. I always had HBO, and I had a I had a different subscription on every TV in my house because we didn't want other TVs to have that HBO subscription. So where I grew up watching uh, Ghost Rider as my kids. Uh, educational show you grew up watching real sex I, I grew up watching real sex i've seen them all uh first and ten not necessarily the news yeah there was a time guys where hbo did not know how to make television yet that's crazy and then sopranos fixed it all dream on dream on arliss arliss have you ever seen dream on before no what is that okay. is it aerosmith i didn't actually have hbo i watched dream on on comedy central and when it was all the sexy parts were edited out but it was about a kid who grew up on tv and anytime anything would happen in his sexy sexy life he would think back to a uh piece of a movie a very famous movie that he saw when he was watching tv as a kid and i can't relate to that at all where somebody would just like go through trials and tribulations and think about the pop culture that consumed their life yeah, that's. I understand why nobody liked that show because it's not relatable in any way. Dream on HBO. I doubt it. Mike, tonight's a very special night, very special episode of the Superhero Hour Hour. Because speaking of pop culture and uh, our childhood and getting rid of it, uh, we have to say goodbye to two different, very important pieces of our life. What? Yes. Are those Taylor? Taylor is gone, and we're going to review him as if he was mm-hmm. a comic book TV show. Uh, so that's one. Two is, I don't think that we're going to see any Watchmen pop culturally for a long time. Yeah. And I don't know if we're going to see any more Star Wars for a long time. Interesting. And how we say goodbye to those things, I'm going to predict right now, is going to be very, very different. Mm-hmm. Because you love Star well, Wars more than Watchmen? Yeah. Always have, always will, no matter what. Do you would you accept at least one more giant four hour movie on Netflix with uh, some sort of Doctor Manhattan Darth Vader crossover? Yes, you would. That's the ultimate doomsday clock. Would you at least watch it before you judged it? Would you at least not say before you watched it, "Oh, this is stupid and I hate it"? No, <laughs> I'll say I love it and then I'll watch it. And I really hope they band together to stop somebody's older brother from doing drugs. All of that and not that many more shows. On this episode of the Superhero Hour Hour. Mike, we had so many awesome things planned. This was about to be the greatest bullpen that we've ever done. Mm-hmm. But instead, you went to the movies last night and you did not see, uh, Little Women, you did not see the Rainer Werner Fassbender re-release of all of his movies uh, that came out. You went and saw, what did you, what'd you go see? Uh, a little flick called Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Ryan, this weekend, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker came out to wrap up the nine-movie series now known as the Skywalker Saga. Everything angry nerds screamed about in The Last Jedi has been reversed. Poe, Finn, and Rey spend ample amount of time together. The gray area is erased completely, and Rose is barely allowed in the movie. So, Ryan, but I ask you this. Why did you not want to talk about this movie on the show tonight? All right, so uh, as we do this show, we are in deep, dark preparations for uh, movie of the year... That's a different podcast that you and I are on, 2019. And I'm a little nervous about Avengers Endgame 
being mm -hmm. in that uh, uh, season because it's really hard to talk about. It's the Deathly Hallows part two of our generation. Um, is it a movie? Is it like a uh, TV series finale? I'm not sure. I am definitely down to talk about Avengers Endgame because it is very clearly a movie. Now that I have seen the mishmash, throw on the wall, no idea is bad. Every every, every idea gets in. Who gives a shit? Uh, colostomy bag. That is the Rise of Skywalker. So I didn't feel as negatively as you. I went in knowing the internet uh, was starting to scream about this movie, and I'm on a text thread with a bunch of friends, including you, and uh, they did not consider maybe everybody on this thread didn't see it. Let's all start talking about this movie right now. Was that bunk? Was that rude? Yeah, it was horseshit. Uh, so I went in with expectations, and it was not nearly uh, as bad as any of you or the internet said. It's also interesting. I think this is now... Maybe it's with everything. Maybe it's this political climate we're in. Uh, but Star Wars specifically gets it because uh, everybody's angry about this one. And they're like, it's the worst reviewed ever. Like, forgetting about what happened with The Last Jedi. So I think anytime Star Wars releases something, this will now tear fans apart. There is a lot of dumb bullshit. There's a lot of fun, silly bullshit. I think why I liked it is I get really emotional and pumped for Marvel movies. Because I think it's really high, high, really high ceiling, really low floors. But I'm always going to be surprised. Nothing about Star Wars is ever going to surprise me. And so, I don't know. It was fun. And so maybe that's like damning with faint praise. It is for sure. Uh, and if, uh, by the end of the segment, you'll agree with me. You'll agree with me. But I think it's important, first of all, to note that like I, as a group, as a pop filter group, I think that we all think the same thing about everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and even though we have company-wide loves, right? Like Star Wars, Marvel, um, Fast and the Furious... There are differing degrees. The Simpsons. Would you say that you're the lowest on Star Wars, or at least the uh, at least the least? Um, uh, I'm pumped up about whatever I see. I guess, yeah, because I I loved it growing up. There's not a lot of sci-fi fantasy for kids in our generation that there is now, and I loved it. But there's other things I loved more: X Men animated series, B Taz, Star Wars. I was like cool and super loved it, but did not did not have the sheets, did not have all the toys. Uh, I think a part of it too I, is that uh, for Star Wars is to me as I think Game of Thrones is for a lot of people when it was popular in that it was sort of my only sci-fi fantasy mm -hmm. thing where you had dozens, right? Like right. Star Wars was just one of many, many things that you grasped onto when you were a kid. Yes, most of them were novels that nobody ever wanted to talk about because they hadn't read them. Because they, so they were novel. Even unpopular for nerds. But, like, so the flaws of this movie are pointed out. I do think uh, Ryan Johnson added interesting gray area that's just never been in Star Wars. While still, it, it every future generation gets a little more complicated because nuance has to be added because you have to now look about what your parents and their parents did and move on from that. And I thought Rise, or the last one, Last Jedi, did interesting things with that. This did do some erasure except for a thing that bugs me in all fantasy is let's all forgive ben solo for the millions of people he's killed because now he says i'm sorry i mean yeah i mean like he's hitler right like yes i know that that's how i lose arguments but like he his uh mass murder is up there with some of our planet's worst dictators for for ray to be like hey i always wanted to take your hand even though we never really met that's insane Unless you go through him like using the force to seduce her, but this movie was saying specifically, no, they do belong together. So she was choosing to try to get with baby Hitler. Uh, uh, okay, that is true. But I think that, and a lot of people who are uh, defending 
Rise of Skywalker are saying, no, this is just like every other movie. A lot of people who are insulting Rise of Skywalker are like, no, here's how other movies did it different. I just have one sort of basic law of filmmaking. Like, if I had to pick my one true north, mm-hmm. it's just that, like, stories sort of work in a certain way that has been the case since the dawn of man. And I, like, I sort of made this case with Endgame, but now I can't because I sort of see how structured it was. This was yeah. a fucking race against end time. Like, they just knew that it could only be two hours, 31 minutes, and they were racing against that. It was every single idea poured into it, and there was... It, it really is a clinic on what stakes are and what how some things can be important because other things aren't. And then also how uh, it doesn't matter who wins if every character is just this vanilla two-dimensional sprinter sprinting towards the finish line. Right. A couple things. There is... Uh... You have said uh, off air because sometimes we're allowed to talk off air that it feels uh, two movies jammed together. That J.J. Abrams got pissed. Ron Johnson didn't listen to his original map, so he's trying to do what he wanted to do then, and then this. Uh, but it's also no breathing room because you know how you make characters not vanilla is you let them sit around and chat for a little bit, not just sprint from place to place. It feels like a Dungeons and Dragons game because it's just adventure, adventure, adventure. We have to get this thing to get this thing to go to there to get this thing. And I feel bad about saying this because I don't think it should be compared to the eight before it. But I'll just say this to the fanboys who love Rise of Skywalker because it's everything they ever wanted or everything they ever complained about but didn't ever want or need. Uh, Think about how much time we spent with Luke and Uncle... Owen? Owen and Aunt... Baru? Baru. Think about how much time we spent with Luke and... uh, Yoda, think about how much time we spent with Han and Leia while a war was going on in the background, them playing their cat and mouse Sam and Diane games. Right. This series has always known that uh, nothing matters if these characters aren't like, oh, hey, uh, 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 space soldiers are just like us. Right. But I would argue that the first three, four, five, six knew that, and number seven knew that. No, None of the other ones have reflected that. Uh uh, the, the, the to one for one comparisons, uh, Luke hanging out with Yoda. Then he has to go into the tree and fight Vader. Ray gets a very very similar moment in this movie, and it's over in a breath. You could sneeze, and that's over. And you're like, so did she defeat Dark Her, or she just got interrupted by the actual Dark Her, which is Kylo Ren? But they didn't hit that hard enough, except for people saying that over and over. Again. And you're saying Dark Her, not Darfur, right? At no point. Yes. That, I would never joke about Darfur. Okay, because we're not doing that. I mean, that that's like joking about Coney 2011. We don't, 12? Uh, 2012, was it? Uh, yeah, there's all of these ideas that he, uh, like you said, it's clear that he wanted spread out through the series. Um, and there's just no captain of this ship. There's just nobody saying a uh, little more of this, a little less of this. It's all of the ingredients. And Mike, I'm not a good cook, but if you are just saying... All the paprika, all the cinnamon into whatever you're making. Is that going to be a good dish? No. It, it, and this is why, like, I disagree. I agree that Harry Potter Deathly Hollows Part 2 is not a movie. I think Endgame tells its one story. Endgame has a story to tell. This has too many stories to tell without having, like, stories are important because of character moments. But again, zero expectations or bad expectations the bad kind of went away because I've seen worse from Star Wars and the good stuck. I was like, oh, that's cool. But I think its ultimate failing is like the crazy should be cool lightsaber battle between Kylo Ren and Rey in the middle of those giant waves. I just kept thinking those waves look pretty cool. Yeah. 
But I, I know it was never Fast and Furious dumb, and it never pulled at my heartstrings. Fucking ever. And if it's wrapping up this series, it should do all of that. That's, I mean, I think that's a really good point, is that uh, Star Wars was the best at all things. It did Marvel better than Marvel. It did better than... Uh, better Fast and the Furious than Fast and the Furious. I heard somebody, I can't remember who, talk about the the prequels. And they were like, the OT is for children, and adults loved it. Right. And then the prequel, the problem with the prequels is that it separated that. Everything in the OT is for children. The prequel separated it, so it was like C-SPAN for adults, and then like Gungans get kicked in the dick for children. <laughs> right. And so like... But it, it was never combined. He lost that art. That's what I feel like has happened since Force Awakens, is that he felt like he was channeling Star Wars at some point, even if it was just repeating, and that it all became, everything had to happen, and it all, become, it all became congealed. Nothing was, everything was separated, and it was just all so dumb to me, and it's because of stakes. It's just because of stakes. What was important about this? That's, I think that highlights, this movie highlights, and your breakdown, uh, the issues with J.J. Abrams, and we've always talked about since he showed up, like he's kind of a remixer, and there's different versions of that. And Ryan Johnson's also a pop culture remixer, but I think the backlash to The Force Awakens, and even worse backlash to The Last Jedi, I think got in this guy's fucking head. Say what you will about the prequels, and they are dog shit movies. But George Lucas was not just trying to recreate the beats of the original trilogy; he was trying to do other things. And these movies. The J.J. Abrams movies are just trying to say, this moment is like the moment from 4, 5, 6. You know those moments? It is interesting that uh, we have uh, Abrams who remixed Star Wars, or New Hope perfectly, and then we have Ryan Johnson who, uh, day in, day out, Brick, Knives Out, Looper, these are all things that we've seen before with a twist. That is what he is all about. Um, If we should have not hired either one of these two gentlemen, or probably more likely found a third pop culture remixer to do it so they weren't just pissing on each other the entire time. And I think originally it was supposed to be Colin Trevorrow, who's... Which I am absolutely against. Yeah, well, I mean, he's destroying Jurassic Park in the Jurassic World movies. Uh, But his, it was still, there are four people who were credited for this story, and he was one of them. So he still had his stupid little mitts on this. I just, to me, and I am citing, I don't know, where you are or if you even need to but i am siding with ryan johnson uh i think he's a better filmmaker i like the last jedi a lot um i think that he took time to point out how star wars might need to change i can't believe that then jj abrams hurt as he was from this took time out of the last episode of the skywalker saga to give ryan johnson the middle finger right that's because i don't think ryan johnson was giving Abrams the middle finger. I think he was giving our storytelling tropes the middle finger. I don't think he thought that until the internet. You know, it's like, I say something to you, and it's totally fine, until everyone behind us is like, oh! And now you're upset about it. Right. And I I do think Johnson, there's things in The Last Jedi that were seeded in The Force Awakens, and it's like, it wasn't what you expected, but they went this way. Abrams is being a bad improviser and teammate by saying, no, what you said was wrong, and this is what's right now. Let me ask you this: Where do where does a New Hope and Empire rank on Mike's like top two hundred movies of all time? I mean, yeah, Empire's up there. It is Empire of the Sun. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> of course, the Christian uh, Bale musical based on Newsies. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I Empire Strikes Back is probably in my top twenty five. I just wonder if a lot of this is because I see a high high ceiling and a 
uh, I don't know, and am so nervous about the floor for Star Wars, and you sort of cap it at like they can be kind of good, they can be kind of bad. Who gives a shit? Well, that's why I, I think even the the sacrosanct original three have stupid fucking moments in them, and people talk about them like they don't, and that's just know what you're in love with. And often that stupidity. I'm having deja vu. I feel like I'm saying that on a lot of the shows we're doing lately. Uh, there's dumb bullshit here, and there always has been, and that's great. I love the the new little uh, droid hacker who's super stupid and adorable. That's the polite perfect. one? The very polite? Yeah, the very polite one. That feels like great and weird in Star Wars versus the new droid. BB-8's BB-8 seems like, you guys love little droids, right? I'll give you even another little droid, like, and that's the bad move. So he doesn't even know what's supposed to work and what's not. Uh, first of all, here's a question. Um, Mandalorian is the best thing that Star Wars has done since Empire. Not a question. I just We have to say that on every podcast episode that we do, regardless of the topic. And that's somebody who's taking bits of what Star Wars can be, like a samurai western, and then running with it hard. Because it's quieter and more like plotting than any of the Star Wars have ever been. It's taking the space opera out of it completely and turning it into David Carradine's Kung Fu. And it's fucking Space rad. with space? Space with space. My second question, my final question, Mike, is what do you want now? What is your hope, your new hope, and what is your suggestion? I, my hope is that they, because it seems like the powers that be, the, the Kathleen Kennedy, is that her name? Not anymore. I mean, she didn't uh, change her name, but she's but not. She's in, gone? Uh, yeah. Well, whoever's in charge, I hope they let the TV keep being experimental. So maybe the Obi-Wan show is something is like closer is like this weird romantic debauch story. Like, keep being weird with that, and then, fuck it, let Ryan Johnson do his whole trilogy. Let D&D do a whole trilogy. Let's let's muddy it up a knot and be so scared that all you get is vanilla, because vanilla isn't great. I'm sorry, D&D is the Game of Thrones dudes? Yeah. No, fuck them. Fucking get them off the fucking project as soon as possible. But I'm saying, like, if, if you have these people launch it, and I think they actually said they were too busy to do it, but, like... Yeah, sure. Launch yeah. people I'm sorry, I'm, They're so fucking busy. I'm sure. Give, give Shane Carruth... Oh, okay, a fucking now. Star Wars movie. Now you're talking like, my language. Like, like it's so. Do what Marvel did. There's a general Marvel tone, but there's. I'm getting sick of people saying they're all exactly the same. Winter Soldier is so different from Ant Man. Is so different from Black Panther. Like, let people fuck get their thumbprints on there a little. We have borderline. No, we have not borderline. We have crossed the line of dabbling in putting John Favreau in the Potfelter Hall of Fame because of like. His thumbprint on today's Hollywood is mm-hmm. to be reckoned with. You know, uh, I think that the biggest problem is not that uh, Colin Trevorrow got fired, but that they didn't have a Kevin Feige. Right. What do you think about this guy who uh, kickstarted the MCU, kickstarted the Disney remake bus, um, seems to have a firm grasp on what people want? What do you think about him not making, writing, or directing movies, but like him sort of taking Story over? By? He, he's the uh, the smoke. What's his name from the Cloak? last Jedi? Cloak. The, Wait, oh, Snoke. Snoke. What yes. if what if he is the Palpatine of the future of Star Wars? I, I think that'd be great. And I also think if Favreau, and I think he would, is it's it felt like new Disney Star Wars was so fuck all the, the decades of books and all the other adventures. We're not gonna play with any of that. Maybe you guys should start playing with stuff that worked. If you really want to make people happy, play with some of the stuff that worked that we haven't seen on screen. And that wouldn't be that bad. What I love about it too is that it's not it, it, it <laughs> It's not like an anti-Marvel or pro-Marvel. It's not anti-Star Wars. It's To me, it's anti-DCU, DCEU. Mm. You pick the opposite of Zack Snyder to run your shit, and I really like that. And that'd be Favreau. All right. Uh, that's it, Mike. Uh, moment of the week. 
Star Wars. Uh, my Star Wars. Hey, it's that that little droid. As uh, somebody I love on Twitter is calling the little droid pervert. He's just like his fingers are literally in three PO's heads, and he's like, meh, 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 "Hello." Oh, that guy. Him. I thought you were talking about Conehead Droid. No, I'm that BB-8's BB-8. No, you're talking about Bow Bow. What's his name? Bow Bow. Who Bow House? Who Carrie Russell at the end brought on the ship with her just so we could remember him one more time? That's a good MVP. Mike, I gotta say this one, and this is weird for me. The MVP of the movie, and uh, no more spoilers. It's three PO. You like Sith three PO? He steals so many scenes. Uh, I thought Sith three PO was silly, and I'm glad it didn't last longer. But him. Spoiler, this is all spoilers. Him being mind wiped and having to introduce himself over and over again was heartbreaking and hilarious, especially because my wife turned to me and went, he sounds like my grandma. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Was- <laughs> no, Alzheimer's. Hilarious. Uh, he also, uh, he has that one line that's in the trailer, so we can spoil this. Of, uh, hold on. Give me a second before I get mind wiped. I'm just trying to take in all of my friends yeah. and the friendship. But Ooh. for every one of those, he has his, uh, hey, Poe, this is my life. Okay, this is what I go through all the time. Hey, Poe, you didn't mention my name and ask how I'm doing, but I'm okay, too. You probably forgot about me. I'm going to assume that instead of you not giving a shit about me. C-3PO, I'm over and I'm out. (laughs) So that's the fuck all it said. John Favreau should just direct a C-3PO standalone movie. That's what comes out next summer. My dinner with C-3PO. With C-3PO and Wallace (laughs) Shawn. This whole bullpen has been a stall, so we don't have to say goodbye to Watchmen. But when we come back... We're saying goodbye to Watchmen. Gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone In the conclusion of Watchmen, it's confirmed that Fate is True's father. We learn she's behind the cavalry plan to steal Manhattan's power so she can really steal it. And Lori, Looking Glass, Adrian, and Angela have to team up to stop her. Taste buds, and by taste buds, I mean Mike, right? You got that? I'm talking to you. You got to answer this. Are you ready? Okay. I was going to wait for Taylor, but okay. I ask you this. How did Watchmen stick its landing? And how did the story as a whole compare to the political gray area of the source material? And how will the podcast try to ask a question about a finale that doesn't include the term stick its landing? It never will. Let's just embrace that right now. Every finale will say stick its landing. It's not going to fucking happen, all right? We just need to know if it stuck its landing or not. It did it stick its landing, uh, and it's right. Like so, this is right now a series finale. That's how we're going to treat. I it. I think so. Yeah, I think that's best. That's how Lindelof is treating that, it. That's how uh, the Hollywood Reporter is treating it, and Lindelof. And also, it's best for our hearts and brains to just think that like right. this is it. It was one of the best series finales. Series finales are a fucking wash, Ryan. It's really hard for shows to pull them off. And Watchmen, instead of trying to be like, remember all your favorite moments with these characters? Just said, let's finish the story we're doing. We act. I mean, it's weird. I want to talk to you about the rise of Skywalker. That's sort of like a series finale. Uh, I guess we don't yeah. have time to talk about that. So we don't. Uh, I'm going to say things that are weird. But uh, that was closer to a TV series finale because the story goes out the window in order to do... Hey, everyone's come back, and we're all hugging and saying good things. There was even a shot of Ewoks. At no point did Watchmen do like even a shot of that guy who sold the kid newspapers in the graphic novel. Or what if, as the shrimps were falling to destroy True's invention, it cut to like uh, pirates on a black freighter going, "Oh, uh-huh. look at them fall! Arr, they're oh, falling! They are icy shrimps from the bottom of the sea." What's Red Lobster's force holiday? It's like a shrimp tastic or 
Lobster Fest? Lobster Fest. Fest. Uh, it's Lobster Fest it is, I guess. I fucking love Lobster Fest. You do not besmirch Lobster Fest in my presence, good sir. But you go and you get a salad every time. Get some lobster mm-hmm. while you're there. No, I just like to be around the smell. Get some lobster uh, while you're there. Well, So going to the gray area, it's the... Very few people, it feels like, uh, feel like they're allowed to say anything bad about the show, as they should. But people are saying, the bad I have seen, the criticism is that the the comic ended very gray, still. Like, was Rorschach right or wrong? Was Vate right or wrong? And that this wipes away. And I think those people are idiots. True. We, it's just other people's take on what she would do with Dr. Manhattan's powers. And everybody's saying, he could have done more. He could have fucking done a lot more to help the world. Like, I don't think this ends cleanly. I did not expect Louis Gossett Jr. to, when everything is okay, Angela let him stay in her house. He, he has free room and board. And before he goes up to bed, he's like, yeah, but just so you know, your husband could do a lot more. Good night. That was, I did not see that coming. Sorry you had to watch him die. <laughs> but uh, there's a couple things going on with the gray in this episode, I think, if I can fight back against the internet. One, as we talked about last week, the series finale was last week when we saw wow. Cal and Angela's relationship. That was a conversation that you and I tried to have despite Taylor only wanting to talk about a future episode that didn't exist yet. And two, uh, this movie has, or this show has done a lot of things of maybe conservatives are not right, which is true, they're not, but also mm-hmm. liberals aren't. And so we don't get defeating bad guys at the end. We get to watch a bunch of conservatives racist fry like they all go which is awesome. they all go away and that is great that is so they're so clearly the villain but then we also get true who has be- become obsessed with her progressivism and narcissism mm-hmm. and liberalism try to fix things in a way that's as severely liberal as the seventh calvary was severely conservative and what I liked is is with Lori and Angela, who have been adversaries, teaming up, and Looking Glass, who's been kind of jumping through, and then Veet, who's always the ultimate villain, they have to team up because there's a greater villain, there's a greater threat, and then Adrian thinks he is just great. The, the, to opposite, to reflect back to The Rise of Skywalker, everybody's like, Ben Solo's great now. Lori's like, I don't give a shit what you just did to help us. I'm arresting you. You still killed three million people. And he's like... What? And yet you remember, oh, he's not getting redeemed. As he said earlier in this episode, he is also a raging narcissist. Yes, because always, always the point of everything that we ever watch is extremism is bad. And Watchmen had a lot of different themes. It had the theme of uh, that trauma carries through generations, whether it's like through DNA, whether it's scientific or not, trauma does. Uh, It's pointing a looking glass, if you will, or a mere man at America and saying, you think that we're just okay with how we treated black people? That's not true. These are all themes that are running through Watchmen, but the ultimate theme uh, leaves Angela, Adrian, um, what's her name? Lori, uh, Looking Glass, all at the same point where they're the only non-extremes. They're the ones that mm-hmm. watch the extremes kill each other or themselves and say, oh, we did it by letting them kill themselves. And then turning around and saying, oh, wait, you know what, though? Adrian, you are actually extreme. You actually yeah. are uh, fully on one side, and you got to get got. Because that's the difference. Is that so? There's there's extreme left or extreme right, and he is extremely only. I'm right. Mm. Like he is so arrogant, and narcissistic, and there, there's a couple of great moments playing with that. Is uh, 
there's an emotional moment with him and the game warden when we see him escaping and the game warden being like, so was I, were the adversary? And I'm just being like, no, yeah. he, he, the dude's dying. You could just say yes and let him die thinking that's like all he lived for. And then watching it get thrown in his face by true, which is what like leads him to believe he can take her down is, uh, she says, you had a genius idea 20 years ago and you're just doing the same thing, only smaller. Fuck. That hurts for anybody to hear, but especially a narcissist who thinks he's the smartest person in the world. Right, and being on the side of good. I will always, no matter what, I am like rectified. I, I can rationalize the fact that I did what was good. And there's always right. a second, there's always a plan B. There was always something else that could be done. Or you did plan A, the, the severe thing, the thing that made you an extremist, but now you have to get got for it. Like you can't just walk away from that. And that's something that I think that Lori and Angela and Looking Glass and everybody knew. Right. There are consequences to your actions. So anybody saying this this is throwing away what the comic built, I think the comic just ended. But we just didn't there see is no consequences. End. There is no end. Nothing ever actually ends. We're going to see the show again next year, baby. Nothing ends. I will do that, especially uh, in like the holiday season when we have no shows to watch. If you want to rewatch this exact season, oh, I will shit. definitely do that. I'd be down with that. But no, uh, you, you, when you're comparing the show to the comic book, uh, you have to take a step back and realize that it may not have the exact tone, the exact feeling, but most of it is there. It, it may not be, be careful of squids or are bad guys right. good, but it's also like, um, should you run into things as fast as you can with your opinions already set? Or should you maybe go slow, dip your toe in first, and wonder what will happen? And it would be it would be such a worse show if he was trying to not Snyder wise panel for panel recreate it, but recreate the exact like twenty nineteen is different than nineteen eighty whatever. Alan Moore was a British dude. Damon Lindelof is not like. There's things that are different enough that I think Lindelof is such a fucking genius to update it in the perfect amount of ways to make it matter here and now. And feel important, which is what Moore did originally. Well, let's go over the ways that it is similar. Like, what what things did Lindelof clearly take for the finale and the entire season? Uh, it's clearly, like, the, the extreme measures. I don't have that. I don't have that written down. Are we allowed to just be quiet for two minutes, Ryan, while we think? Let's, let's, let's take a two-minute break. And uh, if you can, while you think, just make, like, what you think elevator music sounds like. Uh, I didn't get... The connection, I didn't think about this whole series until this episode that Looking Glass is in some ways Rorschach's spiritual successor. Mm-hmm. But him taking out Adrian at the end is what Rorschach wanted to do. Looking, The difference was Looking Glass had a little more flexibility than Rorschach. So he's somebody who grew and changed and was more thoughtful than Rorschach ever. Right, he's, he's Rorschach plus 30 years of knowledge yes. and time. And, I mean, Rorschach, it, it, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that his mask is black and white. Rorschach himself is very black and white and looking glass as a silver person or gray person is able to make different decisions about what should happen. Reflecting the world back on them is, I mean, and there's that their mask is Rorschach is I, you're going to see whatever you see in my nonsense versus looking glasses. You're going to see a warped version of you. That's more specific and different and nuanced. I'd say. All right, let's go to, let's go to Jeremy Irons telling um, his, peon that masks make you I, I think that we have two major not themes but motifs here of masks and eggs right i think those are the two big items yeah. that watchman is trying to sell us uh masks make you more evil how does that 
make it connect to the comic book? And how does that make you reflect on the entire series? It, the comic book was saying superheroes aren't that super. It's, it's saying the same thing. Masks don't make you great. People are still pretty shitty at their core. So I'm saying masks make you evil. Yeah, because you don't have to look at somebody really in the eye. You get to hide who you are and do terrible things. To I them. mean, it's not just comparing superheroes to the KKK, but also like internet trolls. You know, that's uh-huh. your mask, and that makes you as terrible as you think you can be. It's empathy defeating when you wear a right. mask. And, and the, the, the show as a whole, different people have said version that Lori, like in episode three, said people wear masks because they're scared. Like, there's versions of this, of like how masks, you think you're wearing it because you're tough, and it's only the opposite. Always. And then, just in case we needed more explanation, um, Angela's grandfather at the end says... Like you said, we can't heal with a mask on. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing, too, is that we're so scared of healing that we'll put a mask on and punch instead of being right. self-reflective. And, that's what, I th- and that's-, that's what I think keeps the people in the middle from being extreme is having mm-hmm. that sense of self-reflection. I got to think that if you are a white person who thinks civil rights for all races and genders and sexualities has gone too far and you want to destroy them so white can be right again – you have not a lot of self-reflection. No, and that's what's in the one character we never see wear a mask in the show or has never worn a mask in the history. Joe Keen is only wearing a mask the whole time because he's the liberally-minded senator. That is the mask the entire series. You have to be joking. Did you, uh, I think it was Steppenwall. Did you see what he titled his review of the finale? Uh-uh. Um, not great, Blob. A, not great blob. It's a Mad Men reference. Uh, he walks into an elevator and asks Pete how he's doing. Like, not great not, Bob? Like, not great Bob, yeah. Anyway. Weird, weird thing to dig your heels in. All right, I don't want to get to the end yet, but I want to get to eggs. Let's talk about Where eggs. do we go with eggs Maybe. here? So we have the eternal question of what came first. And is Watchmen instead not answering that? And Watchmen refuses to answer questions whenever the fuck it wants. Right. It does not care for questions. But is it instead doing that cliche of you're asking the wrong question? Yeah. It's it's saying you're asking the wrong question. And it's I think it's kind of saying, like, if you're so obsessed where things came from, where trauma came from, where racism came like, you're not fixating on how do we fix this current issue if you're always looking back. So saying came first chicken and the egg is a philosophical problem that will stop you from actually doing anything which is what we want. That's all we want to do because it's easy. It's interesting, I guess. Philosophical problems and going through past pop culture and sitting there and analyzing. Uh, but oh. instead, <laughs> shut up. But uh, instead, saying, "What will I do now that I am the chicken or I am the egg?" is much, much harder. And that's why we don't ask or answer that question. What will you do as a chicken? I will walk on water, baby. I can do it. Yeah, you got wings. You can do it. I uh. I don't care. I just don't want to be a pie because I don't like gravy. Uh, I brought up checklist before as far as season finales go. Do you think that Lindelof has been accused of not nailing the season finale? I don't know if you uh, have ever heard of the show Lost. He he also had a lot of uh, say in Leftovers, which I think is one of the greatest season finales, series finales of all time. Mm-hmm. This was good. We're both going to say this is good, right? Yes. It's not which came first, the chicken, or if this was good. It's this was good. But did you feel more of a checklisty? We got to do perfunctory stuff more than other episodes, which could just go wherever and whenever they wanted to. I mean, 
inherently wrapping up a story, there's certain things you have to do, like wrap up a story. Uh, but I didn't feel that perfunctory. I guess like Angela and John got a loving moment. But other than that, like we still got an origin story. We got Lady True's origin in this season finale. So that was him saying, fuck you and your checklist. I did not feel that much perfunct. I mean, the cavalry is basically gone. So, the, But those all felt pretty natural. It didn't, everybody teaming up after going in separate directions forever. I'm, I'm, I'm trying here to figure out what is checklisty. Checklisty, I think is, I was nervous at about the halfway point because we were all clearly going to meet in the center of Tulsa, mm. which, which is, I think, where like the most death took place in the, you know, that like that black cleansing of Tulsa that we started off with. Right. So we have this hub, and now we're all getting like Jeremy Irons is here, and Angela's right. here, Doctor Manhattan's here, and we're all gonna party here. That feels checklisty. What they did with it though was not like, you know what, guys, let's shake hands, fight crime, fight like some CEO that is polluting the earth, and then we'll uh, high five in the air and freeze frame. No, yeah, they didn't do that. I mean, they got they were all in the same place briefly, and then four of them got shot to Antarctica. Like, oh my god! All right, and then Angela says, "John, why didn't you shoot me to safety?" And then John, a god, somebody who has been a god for fifty years now, looks at her and says, "I didn't want to die alone." And if you're Angela, are you thinking, "Oh shit, this is true fucking love. I have broken down a god, and he loves me," or are you thinking? You motherfucker, send me could to you not send me to safety? <laughs> yeah, you want me to watch you die. Uh, yeah, and I love that because that's that's the the humanity and vulnerability that was buried so deep within John. And that this show, I think, did a good job at revealing. Like, It never went away. It was just buried deep for a long time. Okay, so are you saying this is John Ostrander, or this is Cal, or this is Dr. Manhattan Con. meeting uh, Angela? Like, Where did this humanity it's, start it's, and end? It's all in a big old blender. I, I mean, maybe the, the comic Manhattan definitely was more detached God and Snyder's Manhattan was that. And I think this show is arguing that you can never, it, once you are human, you can never fully get rid of it because you can't forget everything that helped to make you human. And sort of goes back to our last week's conversation of that one being the, the peak. Like that's, that's the ending. Uh, right. uh, battles are cool and dropping, what are they called? Cephalopods on uh-huh. things. That's interesting. But it's love, right? It's love. It's always just love. It's always just love. And that sounds stupid, Maybe. but like, that's where we're at, is that love is going to win out. True did not love her daughter and no. died. Because she made her in a bottle. Right. Made her in a bottle. And I mean, True's daughter thought that she had love, but did not. And the 7th Calvary didn't have love. And Looking Glass had sort of known love, but not really. So he gets to survive. Lori sort of knew love and got to survive. But like, mm-hmm. knowing what love is means that you might survive, and knowing what true love is means you're definitely going to make it out of this. I, and that's why Will survived, even. The oldest man in the fucking world. And that's why Will survive. Because, Mike, I love Watchmen. I love Watchmen, too. Aww. All right, we have two obvious questions that we have to answer. Number one is, is Angela God? And number two is, do you want a second season to come back? Who cares and no. Not who cares, it's just like there's no end. They, I think this is a better Inception scene than Inception because everything's better than Inception. That movie sucked. But uh, this would be a more interesting conversation, but there's a reason they ended it before it started. I think it, it, the show is saying, again, it doesn't matter. Whatever she does next will be amazing for the people around her. Even if she just falls right in the pool? 
Yeah, and then she'd be like, "Oh, pools are fun. I forgot." Greg told me the other story. A uh, story the other night where uh, a bunch of people woke Jesus up and said, "Hey, a lot of people are watching. Can you walk on water?" They were like on a boat or something. He was like, "Fuck, I guess I was asleep, but whatever." And then tried to do it, and then fell right into the fucking ocean. <laughs> uh, I like that. Third question, final question, Mike. Um, we've talked about this a bunch before as we were covering the entire season. Is there a reason to do shushies this year? Because Watchmen's just going to... I mean, I would like to see who wins, like, best fart okay. or whatever. Nope, it's Adrian Veidt. <laughs> Fuck. Well, let's do the Watchies. We'll do the Watchies. What if... We'll call it the Watchies, and just everybody knows the real winner is something from Watchmen, and we'll say what it is, and we'll say... It'll be the runner-up. Okay, cool. Everybody... But, like, you're now ineligible, Watchmen. For the first time in awards history, too good, assholes. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, when we come back, the rest of the shows. And now we're here in the poll list where we talk about every other show that came out this week. Mike, we're going to start it off with Runaways. Cool. Did you watch it? I did. Hmm. Did you? Oh, wait. I'm getting a memo right now. The third season of Runaways kicks off in a dreamy dreamland as we see Chase, Chase's mom, and Carolina's world of happiness. Nico's dream is less happy as she gives us her first glimpse at Elizabeth Hurley as Morgan Le Fay. Meanwhile, the rest of the runaways try to figure out who else has had their body snatched by the perfectly nuclear family of aliens taking over. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Does Runaways' hour-long runtime feel longer than any other show's hour-long runtime? No, every show's hour-long runtime. I felt it, like I've, I watched this episode for like two and a half hours. It would be a better, punchier show. If it was only half an hour, Ryan, uh, I don't know if people know, but you and I have another podcast called The OCD that they should subscribe, rate, and review wherever they get their podcast. Not just uh, listeners of this, but creators of The Runaways. Don't know that we have that podcast? No, no they, should, uh, they should subscribe and listen because yes. I think that The OC might help out The Runaways a little bit. And it's crazy because it was Stephanie Savage and Josh Schwartz are both songs. I wonder if it's been too long since they were... They was kids, or all the superhero bullshit made them forget what they were best at, which is interpersonal drama. Breakfast nooks. There's Where no are breakfast nook here? God damn it! Like uh, we get glimpses in this first season of how Chase and Gert will sort of argue about how to cut a bagel, and Molly will be like, "Stop arguing," and then Carolina will be like, "Stop telling them how to argue." And that's all we need from the show. How about like they kill the pride? And then only have those moments. What worked best here, my my favorite scenes from this episode were Gert and Dale. Uh, Dale has realized how crazy not just the Pride is, but his wife has been, because maybe she's taken over by an alien. So he kidnaps Gert, who does not like him, and Old Lace. uh, And they're in this cabin, and their back and forth is playing to both of their goofiness. It's all perfect father-daughter, but in a switching power dynamic and playing with the... Here's what a normal parent relationship is. Here's what it's like with superpowers. Those scenes worked better than any of the scenes in this show. This may be confusing to hear us say this, especially if you've listened to us while we reviewed Marvel's Netflix shows, where we just said, please do something ever. But uh, those shows were not like showrun or created by Stephanie Savage and Josh Schwartz. Right. They are, uh, these guys are doing too much plot all of the time, and I really just want them to chill and re- At the end of the first episode, they're not all together. And so then I'm thinking, like, so I have to go through at least another hour of this shit. Mm-hmm. But, and yet, the, the, the best moments were very little specific character moments. Zavin, 
uh, getting more in with the group and her and Molly hanging out. That stuff's starting to work for me. Molly's is she MVP? Have we decided that? I mean, she's always been LVP up to this point. So she's always been LVP to this point. Molly, yes, yeah. I didn't realize that. Uh, I liked their interactions a lot, but yeah, it's all the very like character based stuff. I love that Tina, whoever the actress playing Tina, loves this new personality. Absolutely, yes, and I think that uh, Nico, the actress playing Nico, has always been our MVP. But her mom, uh, having to act like the worst of what Nico could have become if uh-huh. she was just like a phone-addled idiot teenager. Uh, I like to watch actors have fun. And yes. when you are screaming lines at each other that uh, are just about plot, no one's having fun with that. Mm-mm. But if you are a, a young, vivacious teenage alien figuring out everything the human body can and can't do, that's going to be fun to play. You can tell in Nico's mom's performance that she also has a teenager that she's not a super big fan of. Loves her. <laughs> loves her like a daughter. But I'm so sick of her bullshit. Has a lot to make fun of. Yeah. Do you think, because, so this show is going to introduce Real Magic and Morgan Le Fay, who I erroneously called Elizabeth Berkeley last week. It is Elizabeth Hurley. Uh, it, are you worried like Pride is not going to go away and now that it's going to do even more because it's going to be juggling two things well we always assume that anytime we're watching a show where we're like there's two groups going on they will eventually come together to fight a third uh yet mentioned party we already have um chase's mom and carolina's mom on the team they are now runaways you know so i guess more and more of pride is either going to come to the runaways or go away right so that they can fight morgan lefay but yeah, I, I guess I, it, it'll be interesting to see how it decides that Morgan Le Fay is even worse than Jonah and the aliens because they are fucking despicable. They are. I like, I love Janet on the team. I think that actress is really good, and her working with and out of all the Pride adults, she seemed less, less evil and like really abused and put upon. So for her to bail and be with the kids makes sense to me. Yeah, for sure. And Morgan is going to have to do not just like <laughs> evil stuff, but like really dick, really passive aggressive shit. To mm-hmm. take over Jonah because Jonah was basically a dad, like a terrible parent times two. Right. It's going to be hard to upend that in a show about teenagers. Do you, you have a moment of the week? My moment of the week, Mike, is uh, I always find it interesting when you realize that not only are you in an idealized situation, but also want no more of it. And. <laughs> Uh, for Chase's mom, Chase is basically married to the villain of the show before villains took over his body, and then yes. the villain of the show after Jonah is just inside of his body. So we have double villain here, and not only is he being nice, but Mike, do you want your crepe? Do you want your, please eat your crepe? Do you want your crepe? Hey, Mike, how about another crepe? How many crepes can you eat? I, I, if you can only eat seven, I'll make an eighth. It's the review version of crepe eating. <laughs> That's it. Like she cannot stand the digit crepes no mo. It's so many crepes, and he just <laughs> wants to keep serving crepes. And honestly, I'd rather have you uh, threaten to take over a small country than make this many crepes. Uh, that was mine. So I want to keep talking. I'll say another one is a uh, Leslie is now on the team, mostly just because she's pregnant. That's Carolina's mom, uh, and they're talking about like you got to be prepared to kill the pride. And Alex is like, they're all psychotic assholes who should be rot in jail. And her in the background just like biting lip, be like, I hope they don't right now remember that I was one of those people. <laughs> like, but I'm pregnant though, right? I have that glow. I still have that glow. Um, inauspicious start or auspicious start? Because I can't remember the difference between those two words. They mean the same thing. They're both flammable. Runaways is on Hulu. All of it's right now. Watch it when you want. The next show that we're talking about is V Wars. 
On the third episode of E-Wars, the government struggles to contain and understand the outbreak. Meanwhile, Kaylee interviews Luther's ex-wife. Tasty Mike, I ask you this. What was your worst outbreak of pimples and zits? Uh, I, I, I went from being very chubby to thinning out, but my body was like, oh, you think that's going to be a win for you, Buster? Uh, so bad that I had to be on medication that years later it turned out like makes people suicidal. Accutane is not good for you. Uh, so many pimples and zits all over the place that I was like, if I light them on fire, would that make them go away? It was horrific. And then when the Accutane made them go away, it was very sensitive to the sun and just like it was felt like burning. I felt like I was in the V Wars. Were they contained in one spot of your face or just everywhere? No, Ryan, everywhere. Uh, a lot of people that see me know that I have this big beard to cover up my weak chin slash very strong second chin, uh, <laughs> which is true. But uh, the reason I wanted it was because it would cover up the just fucking insane amount of zit armies that covered my chin and chin only. There was Oh, noth- you wanted it back then. Yes. There was nothing on my forehead, cheeks. It was just my chin was this like, you know how like you'll land on the wrong planet? And it's just like sure. bubbling lava everywhere. Mm-hmm. That was my chin. It was just dis- and it would like shoot out. It would like gleek pus uh-huh. at any point. Sure. If you just walked past it, it'd be like, oh, there's somebody, and then just shoot zit cream all over them. And it's always right when you were like asking for a better grade or a girl to the prom. Just bleh. did I? Did it all come at the same time and then go away at the same time, or do you still rock one every once in a while? I still rock one every once in a while, which is it's annoying to take like hormone changing life-altering drugs and still have to deal with this later in life. I feel like I dealt with the horse shit to get rid of it. But yeah, I have one on my forehead right now, baby. I don't get Clean them on... your sheets once a week. <laughs> I don't get them on my... Especially if Mike sleeps in your bed. I don't get them on my face anymore. I get them on, like, uh, my butt or my hips uh-huh. where, where my belt is or, like, the inside of my nose. It's just, like, now they won't be present. They'll just be on the inside of the most just annoying painful place. Yeah. Between your pinky toe and the toe next to it. V Wars is on Netflix all the time. We're talking about the fourth episode next week, and we'll fucking talk about it. Coming up next is End of the Fucking World. On the second to last episode of End of the Fucking World. After discovering Bonnie's true intentions, James races to help Alyssa, and the truth slowly comes out over a tense half hour. Ryan Tasty Man, I ask you this. Can a show built on subverting expectations continue to subvert them? Um, I, I mean, I guess at a certain point, then going with expectations would then be subverting them. If you've already established Bold. that you subvert them, is that right? There's a moment I thought this was a great half hour of television. The three of them just in the diner, dealing with each other in different ways, and with the fucking narcissistic shitty cop who just comes in through in and out throughout the episode, uh, was awesome. And so many of the things. All we want is more of our stuff to be like dinner with Andre. I think mm-hmm. that's the underlying theme of our entire series. It was fucking excellent. And then Bonnie straight up shoots James and Alyssa in the head. And because it's this show, I was like, oh, fuck. There's still another. Oh, fuck. Uh, but it was all in her head. And I was like, oh, that feels like what a normal show would do. All right. Let's talk about this part then, because that is something that shows do often now. I think the first time I've seen it, I saw it was High Fidelity would do mm. this thing where things seemed like they happened and then they didn't. It was just all in your head. And now it's sort of a trope and kind of a lazy writing. But you're right. This show could trick me into thinking that it happened. And also the wait. Like, they added uh-huh. an extra 10 seconds of wait before we got Alyssa and James back that I didn't know what was going. I, I, like, oh, are they dead? No, they're not dead. Oh, my God, are they dead? <laughs> uh, it, was, it was crazy. 
of just seeing their blood and brains drip off of blinds for way too long. But they do wake up, and then the cop just does go away. He calls other cops, right? Yeah. He doesn't not handle. He doesn't handle the situation himself. He calls other cops, and then they do talk Bonnie into the fact that she might be the bad guy. The way that she handles that, unlike James and Alyssa, who are cool with being the bad guy, is to attempt suicide, which they wrestle her out of, which means now the three of them have fought to be on the goddamn same side, and Mike, Uh you were right this entire time. We're going to get one episode of them versus all pedophiles. I don't know who they're fighting, but they're going to fight somebody. All cops. Um, I've got a couple questions for you. I don't live in England. I've never been to the UK. Uh, What is weirder to you? The fact that... uh, Bonnie, I think, or somebody orders a glass of water, and Alyssa straight up says, there is no ice in the entire restaurant. Like, is that a British thing? Do they just not have ice? That I thought that was like Alyssa being passive-aggressive, but you're right. It might be weird British shit. Or Bonnie orders a scone, and then Alyssa says, do you want jam? And she says, no jam. I will eat this sandy, taped-together, yeah. dry biscuit, mouth-unwatering piece of shit with no jam. You see, that's not British. Brits love their clotted cream and jam on their scones. I think that's Bonnie saying, no, I'm not going to let you leave the room again. Not going to let you leave the room. In fact, I'm going to prove to you how tough I am. I'm going to eat a scone with no jam. (laughs) I wish she was just like, I'm just like coughing out powdery dry dough. Would you prefer this to be a movie called Scone Jam, where aliens come down to fight British cartoons at cricket? Yes. Of course I would. Me too. Uh, Moment of the week. Uh, James is in the kitchen grabbing various knives and de- like quietly debating which is the best knife to protect Alyssa while Alyssa is freaking out or accepting death while talking to Bonnie outside and then him deciding to go for the biggest knife he can see and tripping over every metal utensil. Pulling a real mic. I love that shit because I, I like seeing myself represented on the screen. Right uh, after that, my mode of the week is Alyssa says a thing that she said dozens of times throughout the season, which is... I've never been so happy and so sad to see someone. But this point, where James is there, and he's your hero. Uh-huh. And this is when it really hit of like, oh, cool. Oh, fuck. All at the same time. <laughs> yes. That's end of the fucking world. That is, we have one left. We're going to review that next week. It's still all on Netflix. Your next show, final show? Daybreak? Final show, Daybreak. ha, ah, ah, ha. Ah. On the penultimate episode of Daybreak, Josh and Eli head back to the high school for very different reasons. <gasps> Meanwhile, Principal Burr lays down the law and seeks help from the smart kids. Mike, I ask you this. Was there ever a time in your life when you could be considered a smart kid? I was always, like, the dumbest of the smart kids. I was the kid in the AP classes who everybody was like, how is he in these classes? You could have owned the dumb classes. You could have been the king. I could have destroyed it, but I did not have that kind of parents. So instead, I was the kid who was in AP classes, and everybody, including teachers, are like, why? Um, I mean, his sister's very smart, and we're never going to look at his actual homework and how he's good at things. Let's just put him in all the smart classes. Let's put him in, even though we were never in those classes. I, uh, you? It's a lot of pressure. I was, uh, I was put in the smart classes very early, and that, I think, started my uh, whirlwind of going straight to the bottom as fast as I could. <laughs> You can't put that sort of pressure on a on a kindergartner to say like, "Hey, these classes are smart. Um, you have to do this." I was like, "Fuck that! I'm out." I <laughs> so mo- you just were like, "This whole system's bullshit. I'm gonna coast through life." I moved straight to Boston and I fucking mopped up Harvard, and the rest of my life is history. 
history, mathematics and history. Mike, that is oh, uh, that show is almost done. We're going to talk about that f- series, series or finale. season finale next week. Uh, Mike, that's all the show that we have um, here to tell us about the websites that we like. Are is Mike? Hey, yourpopfilter.com is where all our stuff lives. Yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon is where you, if you need last, last, last minute Christmas shopping like I do, go there. It helps us out. It helps you out. Patreon.com slash yourpopfilter is where all our special stuff lives. Just give us a little cash every month and you get extra bonusy bonus stuff. Here to tell us about the other podcast that we have is Mike's wife's impression of Ryan. Well, you should just go to uh, wherever you listen to your podcast and get the OCD or movie of the year, or the super superhero hero hour hour, and rate and subscribe. But podcasts are dumb. Thank you so much. That uh, here to tell us about social media is Ryan's impression of Mike's wife. Like, uh, I guess if you're still on social media, even though it's not even that cool, you could go to at your filter on Twitter and Instagram. And I don't even know why I don't use TikTok, because it's the only cool thing in the world. All I want to do is TikTok to the clock don't stop. Thank you so much. That And then here to tell us about ways to contact us is Ryan's wife's impression of Mike. Thank you so much for that. Yes. Uh, what you can do is you can email us, contact at yourpopfilter.com. We will get your email. And if you agree or disagree with anything that we said, please send that in and we will read you out online. Mike, come back. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Next at- next week, we're ending the end of the fucking world. What? Uh, and we will not talk about Star Wars, but somehow we're probably still going to talk about Watchmen. Probably. Keep safe. Straight gay JPEGs dads watch movies. Da, 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 da.